Hello and welcome to the 19th episode of the third season of the Plebs on Footy podcast. I am your host, Rory O'Kane. And as always, I'm joined by Scott Fotheringham. I am not happy, Banjo. Or loud entrance. Every, everyone thought I would be this way, but I'm not happy at all. I'm not happy with you. Why <laughs> yeah. am I not watching the finale of MasterChef tonight? Why oh. am I doing this bloody podcast? I thought... To be honest, I thought you were going to go in a different direction because I cost you your fantasy uh, game as well, which I'll take full responsibility yeah, for. Yeah, 100% your fault. Yes. Uh, I lost yes. my two points and I reckon you cost me 100 through your stupid suggestion. Why did I listen to Rory? Uh, yeah, because we give everybody the impression that we know what we're talking about with football and you wanted to maintain that illusion. But I know um, I know more than you. Enough about your shit, Scott. Nobody actually cares. We've also got James Whitecamp in the building. Welcome back. Two in a row. I think you're only one off the record for guests sitting record? on the pod. That's, that that's, it probably sounds like such a small number, but it, like, I think it is a bigger number when you think about it, like yeah. consecutive weeks. To be honest, I think this is a bigger deal than Richmond taking the all-time record of most games won at the MCG in a row. I think Nothing's if you said it, if you, if you set this next week, that'll be a bigger deal. <laughs> well, if we're not sure, I suppose we just we just ask Poochie, yeah? Yeah, he must know. The He's the archivist. He's probably got it all recorded down somewhere. Well, it's on SoundCloud, James. We could go check. The entire point, the entire point of this podcast is that it's recorded. <laughs> but anyway, can we get through this quickly so I can watch the end of MasterChef? I'm not happy, mate. I'm, I'm not happy at all. I'm a grumpy man. This part. Did you think that bit was going to be funny when you thought of it? I think it was hilarious. <laughs> I do. Would you like me to announce it? We're like halfway through. No, I don't think it'll be finished. I think it goes for like two hours of finale. I reckon I'll be able to watch the back end. Yeah, we're recording at 7.30. I don't think it'll end till 9.30. But anyway, we're not doing plebs on MasterChef, are we? No, no. That's um, that, that's next year's planned expansion into the reality <laughs> television plebs space. Plebs on everything, yeah. Yeah, yeah. No, it, it's been, it's been rumoured, I would say. Uh, the the expansion of the plebs on whatever media world I think it's coming I'm just going to say it's getting a lot of positive feedback from my echo chamber is it, is it, is it like the pleb world or is it plebs on everything or like, oh, what, 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 to be what honest I think it? we need a brand plebs meeting. enterprise surely yeah. but anyway <laughs> I, think <laughs> we, I, I, I think we should have a meeting to discuss this properly without the pressure of making decisions it while we're recording oh, <laughs> we're talking enough crap to start boys come on everyone's just waiting for gold jacket green jacket alright Let's get on to everyone's favourite segment. Yeah. Gold Jacket, Green Jacket. The title derives from the line in Happy Gilmore, Gold Jacket, Green Jacket, who gives a shit. I'm not going to let and this And we give slide. three, two, one votes for the most meaningless games of the round. Was that slow enough for you this time? It Rory? was. I understood it. Um, oh, actually, no. Too. So the reason Scott has maintained that he needs to do this is he thinks one day his dad will listen to this well, podcast. Yeah. And he's held off for three years, which is an impressive... Um, an impressive amount of neglect. <laughs> no, he's just, he's just not smart enough to figure out how to, how to listen to it. But for the first time ever, he put it on, and actually, no, to be fair, not being smart enough to figure out how to listen to it did come into this story. You said, told me you played it for everybody to hear by accident. Yeah, look, I said I'm worried that Dad will listen to it and not understand the segment, using Dad as an example of all of our new listeners who will be listening. We are rapidly expanding. We had a new uh, like on our Facebook page today. Guy I've worked with for about yeah, every, three years. Every time I get a new like, I'm like, oh, this will be one of Rory's friends, mutual friends, Rory O'Kane. Yep, okay. <laughs> <laughs> but anyway. This is the work I do for the pod. Anyway, most me- The point is, <laughs> the point is, now that your dad's listened to it, we don't have to say that shit anymore. I will continue to say think it about for how all much, of our new listeners. Think about how much time we've wasted by you saying that. Yeah, Probably well, not as much time as I've wasted on yeah, that. Yeah, exactly. Brand. Can we actually get on to the segment? Most irrelevant games of the round. One vote. We're giving Port defeated the Bulldogs by 44 points. This is not two or three votes. Reason being, there's been a little bit of talk around the, the Ballarat mm. game. Uh, a lot of criticism. Apparently it was very, very dark. No one could see the ball. Yeah, the fixturing was rubbish. Just another reason yeah. the AFL should be sacked. Yeah, ex- extremely cold. Uh, it doesn't make a lot of sense. They put in like the coldest time of the year at 3.20. Like put 110 in the first Put it in around 22 or 23 where it's just starting to warm up yeah. and then put one early. If they're going to have two games there, that's the way you got to do it. And it's got to be like a 110 game. Yeah. I suppose it's just 320. I know 320's not always the most the most rubbish game because there's a lot of big games 320. Now, 320 is the... Uh, that's the proper slot. Yeah, yeah that's it's the Anzac pay TV game. Yeah. yeah. Um, they just mucked up that one. But yeah, that was the only reason anybody cared about this game. Otherwise, oh, Charlie Dixon kicked five and... Everyone's like, yeah, he may be good again, but he's like 28. Look, I I watched a small amount of it. It wasn't a good game of footy. Port Adelaide are just... The reason they're getting so defensive, they're just putting a lot of numbers around the ball. Do you think they're any more than like 
a little bit above mediocre. I can't see... I don't see that ceiling with them anymore. I used to have that ability where I'd go, oh, if it clicks, they could get there. But the way they're playing, it's just like... You're a bit more than a shoulder shrug, but like, not much more. I feel like they're just they're being handcuffed with their way they're, the way they're playing. Mm. They they get more numbers around the ball than any other team, and it just becomes a big slog. And I suppose maybe they're thinking, oh, we have Wines and Robbie Gray and people who can move through traffic. Maybe we'll win playing that way. Except they're not playing Gray but, in the midfield. <laughs> yeah, I feel like they're just they're, they're trying to be too consistent, and they're yeah they're, they're letting go of what their actual ability is, their exciting ability. Yeah. But anyways, doing another segment in a segment this time. Oh, look at us setting trends again. It is really exciting. Eventually this will catch on. As soon as somebody listens. Exactly right. Well, let's get on to it. Our next segment within the segment. Uh, It's time (laughs) now for Billy Gower's Watch. Billy, 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 Billy Gower's. Billy, 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 Billy Gower's. Billy got injured. He didn't play. Yeah, zero tack, zero disposals, zero kicks, zero handballs, zero tackles, and zero goals, zero. I suppose this is just a reminder for us all. Like we were, God was made us in His likeness. Like even even gods can get injured at times. I suppose that's all we can really. <laughs> that's a take good out of positive it. way of uh, looking at it. With all the negativity we have in this pod and all the negativity of the football media, this is our one solace where we like to be positive no matter what. This segment has really let me down. <laughs> I decided to bring. Him, I decided to bring him the segment after his two best games of the year. He had one really quiet game, two very mediocre ones, and now he's injured. As I said, such an optimistic place. So thanks. That's Billy Gower's watch. But, uh, but something and something I just quickly have to say. My brother's been on my back. He's been asking who wrote the Billy Gower's theme song. Who wrote the Billy Gower's theme song? Written by L. Fotheringham. Lewis Fotheringham wrote it, but recorded and produced by S. Fotheringham and B. O. Kane. Yeah, so, yeah, yeah. The yeah. real the real talent went into the recording. Let's be honest. And the the production value is high. Yeah, yeah. So yeah. That's As per usual with watch. this podcast. That's Billy Gower's watch for the week. The echo week. was intentional that time. <laughs> <laughs> Moving on. Uh, two votes. Hawthorne defeated Frio by 59 points. Speaking of low quality games. Yeah, mildly surprised this is of one higher, to be honest. Yeah. This was ordinary. I mean, yeah, the, the, all three of them, like, you could make an <laughs> argument for. But yeah, I, I watched a bit of this game because my fantasy game was very, very close. If it weren't for that, I would have <laughs> been... why it got two <laughs> No, that's not that's why. That's not why anything you've pulled in no, well that's before. that's not why. I'm not that's why. I'm just saying that's the reason why I actually watched some of the game. But this was the worst performance I've seen from Freo all year by a mile. They got smashed out of the clearances and they couldn't transition. How do you think that game's going to go? Yeah, not good, especially when their forward line can't score at the best of times. Yeah, and they even went through a, a patch when they looked all right, and they just kept missing. Mm. I reckon Giro missed, like, I, I don't know what he scored, but he missed a few absolute <laughs> sitters, just like running in like 30 metres out. Their, their skills were off, like, like historically Frios can get at times, which was, <laughs> it, it just frustrates me. And then without Sandy and Fife in the middle, they're not even winning clearances, and they just look kind of cut off at the knees a little bit. Yeah, it wasn't a great performance. Hawthorne just ticking along the way they need to, keeping themselves in that finals race. I think they're they're a pretty good shot to make it, but do you see them doing any damage? No. Yeah. No. I, I, do you still have them? Yeah, as your ladder predicted looking. Uh, I still don't think eight. I've got them in the eight. I think... Well, I, I, them missing, I had them missing this time, I think, yeah. actually. Um, no, did I have them in there? Why do you... you I, think you, I think you had them just in there. Okay. I think probably one of Hawthorne or North will make, and neither one will be the worst team in the eight. Yeah, like, yeah, Hawthorne. That I, I think they'll they'll do enough to make. They should do enough to make it. And this is a handy percentage booster. Um, yeah, the percentage true. isn't far off us anymore. Well, they've had two gr- very good wins for percentage. Yeah, but yeah, um, I mean, big massive game this week against Essendon. That's yeah. a massive game. Well, they need to win to make finals. I the, think. The, the other big one for Hawthorne is against Sydney because they're both going to be challenging for the eight. So that's going to be that's yep. going to be eight point game. Yeah, I'm hoping it's playoff for ninth and tenth personally. <laughs> yeah, I'm not surprised about that. But anyway, that, that, also, Jiro oh, no. was zero goals too. Just, okay. uh, just to chuck that in there. Maybe he kicked it out in the full as well. There were, there were a couple of stinkers. Okay, just a slight aside. I find it astonishing when they show goal-kicking accuracy. We go goals behind and never have any mention of out of <laughs> yeah, the full. Yeah. Yeah, out of the full is a significantly worse how, result. Dropping short is a significantly How much worse result. would Joe Danaher look if they showed the out of the full? There are a lot. Like, Hipwood as well. He's another one. He can shank the yeah, shit true. out of the yeah, ball. But anyway, we should probably move on. Yes, everyone's been for a reason. Everyone's been very excited to hear what the most meaningless game of the round is. So, 
GWS defeated St Kilda by 25 points. So to those teams we say... Gold jacket, green jacket, who gives a shit? This one surprised me, to be honest, Scott. I thought this would not be so high. I thought St Kilda put up a really good fight against the side I properly rate, and they just had the same issues they've always had going forward and just butchering their opportunities, but... All in all, they played pretty well. To be honest, it, they were, it was very, very marginal. I, th- I think a 25-point margin is the most boring margin you can get. So I would have given that one on the margin. And then, I don't know, not a lot of great individual performances. Uh, no one really stood out. Like, Kelly was just good. Whitfield yeah. was good. Kelly was, like, very middling until, like, halfway through the third quarter. Where I was like, ah, I think we should win this game. And he just accelerated. And well, I just haven't heard anyone talk about it. Like, does anyone... Yeah. Is there anything to come out of this game apart from GWS? Look, it's, just got the job done again. It's one of the more irrelevant Melbourne clubs versus probably the second most irrelevant club in the entire league. There, there was a lot of the uh, St Kilda for most of the year. They, they play all right for at least the first half. They were yeah. pretty good and just... Yeah, just butchering it in front of girl. Heavily when you don't get it. the rewards for such effort, it really hurts. Really hurts. Especially when your belief is a little bit questionable to begin. Well, what do you guys make of the fact that St. Hilda had 22 more inside 50s in the first half? Do you think that's worrying for GWS going forward? Uh, no, some teams teams always can summon an outsized effort at one point or another in the season. The fact they got through it and held up I think says a lot about St Kilda's ball use, but it's a pretty good sign for GWS, and they, they turned it around. They, they've had a, a really hot run, and mm. they had a bit of an off game, and they got the job done, I suppose. But Yeah, and yeah. percentage isn't going to matter for them with that draw, so not the end of the world. Yeah, looking like top fours, very likely. It's, I think it's really positive that they might, they're might probably going to make it, because I think it throws open a yeah, season that yeah, I it's thought exciting, was getting yeah. very narrow with Richmond pretty distinct tier with then West Coast and Collingwood. But I think GWS throwing themselves in the mix are one of the more interesting uh, one of the more interesting parts. Those teams who at least make you nervous. Yeah. Any team would be nervous against GWS. Absolutely. Any team. So let's get to the real football. Mm-hmm. The interesting games. We'll start with a pretty good tip from you. I'll give you credit. <laughs> hey. uh, you haven't shut up about it, so you sort of just uh, inserted it into my brain and I couldn't think of anything else to say about it. Essendon defeated Sydney by 43 points. Mate, my tipping has been outstanding recently. I am on fire. I'm so glad we never thought of a bet to make up. <laughs> I told Whitey on like Monday night, I'm like, Essendon will beat him comfortably. It'll be comfortable. Yeah. It's just the well. game... The, the game played out... Every way that you would expect it to be. I mean, you just look at the game and think, Sydney struggle against pace, Essendon the fastest team in the competition, it's on Eddie Had, which is a fast ground. Like, yeah. it just looks set up for this to happen. And to be honest, first quarter was almost, like, interesting. It, mm. it, was, it was really haphazard in the first quarter. There were a lot of free kicks, push it and shove. that... It was pretty tight up until about a minute before half-time, wasn't it? Yeah, yeah probably. Like when Essendon kicked two quick goals and it sort of broke the back of Sydney. I feel like it took a long time before the game really found any shape. Mm. It was just it was a strange game and it, you never really knew where it was going for a while. But then eventually what I expected happened did happen. And Essendon, they're being better on the inside than I thought they would be. But yeah, it's their getting, pace that sets them yeah, apart. They're getting real production from guys like Carl Langford that... I think, and Dan Myers, that have been real question marks. They hadn't been able to pro, uh, replace Joe Watson. But getting those guys to step up, and they're not great players, although Langford's, I think, leading the league in inside 50s in the last three weeks. Really? Myers yeah. had a really yeah, good Yeah, and they're not great players, but they're above, they're a little bit above serviceable. And that, when coupled with all the other assets they've had, allows those to shine. And there are such a more competitive team ever since they let Carlton Mark Neald. But ever since they lost to Carlton... <laughs> that is funny. <laughs> ever since they lost to Carlton, um, they, they've just turned around their entire season. It's just got to be such a disappointment the way they the way they started. Yeah, like they've got what we knew they would have, which is that exciting mm. outside game. But they've actually... They've put some consistent foundations behind it and they actually are winning the contest quite often. Yeah, and they've also stopped just slowing the game down in the back half. Which yeah. was a real tactical... Brain fade is all I can really say. Their, as you said, their strength is speed. Why are they just switching back? Because the idea sense. is that you'll get quicker across to it and you'll find some space on the other side and then your quick players can run into yeah. that space. They just never did it quick enough. And they didn't do it quick enough. They probably didn't work hard enough to get in that space. And now yeah. they're just looking corridor. And, they, and guys like Orazio and Tipper, 
and uh, McKenna and all of them. Even like, Merritt is like nippy. He's not lightning, yeah. but he's nippy. And they've got a lot but, of those guys. But those players, they're not the sort of players who are going to work hard to a wing and outrun players. Yeah. Like, you know, deep in a wing. They're yeah, players they're who just want players. to gun it through the corridor. And now they've started doing that. It looks a lot better. Yeah, you've got to be worried about Sydney, though. Oh, extremely worried. We, we've is been this, on this for a while. We have. One of us made the brave and brilliant call <laughs> in round seven that they would miss the eight. And I think I... You said I, they'd miss the top four. I said they'd miss I the eight. I don't think that's what you said. I, I think if we listened to the tapes, you said, that's not a brave call, make something yes, brave. So that, I did. I stepped up to the challenge and I said they no, would make the eight. I and said look, make I a brave... I think I'm looking pretty correct right now. I said, don't, make, try, don't try and take this from me. I Scott. said, make a brave call. Say that they'll miss the eight. So I was right. I said it. <laughs> I said it. Even by your own damn justification, it wasn't your call. But uh, but now, do you genuinely think they'll miss the eight? I find it very hard to see that they'll make it. Same. Same. I They had to win that game. Even with Collingwood's injuries, I can't really see them beating Collingwood there, there's so many games like that when you just look at the form they've got a really tough run home they had a really tough run home for about seven weeks out and losing to Gold Coast it probably equalises one that I feel we should have won a week before but they just lost games they shouldn't and that, that kills oh, you their run of form is actually awful like yeah. apart, so the game against you, I, that could have gone either way, and they happened. And win. we weren't playing well at that stage. Mm. Every, every other game outside of that, they have been comprehensively outplayed. This game, they were in it for a while when they shouldn't have been. Like yeah. Essendon killed them through those sort of second and third quarter, and they sort of hung in the game. That they've been doing that a lot, which yeah. I think Sydney traditionally have done. But like they look, they've looked far from it for six weeks. So you'd be really worried. Yeah, and a lot of it's the injuries, but. It, a lot of it's injuries to old players that you're not ever sure will recapture their form. Like, can they quickly rebuild like we thought they'd done after six weeks last year? I'm not sure. In fairness, their team is very different to what it was when they were. It's very days. young they, outside of Buddy, really. If you look at it, it's oh, they've got young. those. They, they, they've still got you know Parker yeah, and Kennedy. Yeah, but Parker's only twenty six, twenty seven, isn't he? He's not old. Yeah, no, he's not old, but. Like they've got some experience in there. The, 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 the players who carry their group yeah. are quite experienced, and they've got a bit of youth around the edges. That's fair, but I think they're really going to struggle yeah, in the next agreed. few years. I think, yeah, I think they're what I saw with I saw happening with Hawthorne. I think they're going to realise that fate. They just, I don't think they'll get bad, but I'm not sure I see them getting good anytime soon. Yeah, yeah, I'd be a bit worried about Sydney for sure. Anyway, what was billed as the game of the round, game mm. of the season coming into it? Richmond defeated Collingwood by 28 points. Did it live up to its billing? It wasn't far off. Yeah. Three quarters was brilliant. I went along and the atmosphere was incredible. Um, the third quarter was one of the better quarters I've seen all year. It was goal for goal, intense. It was Collingwood were really sticking it up to them, and I again just to keep my predictions going. Whitey asked me what'll happen at halftime, <laughs> and I said it'll be a really good game for three quarter time, and then Richmond will blow them away. You really went out on a limb there, given that's what they've done to most sides. It's actually, but it's actually getting absurd how predictable that is. It's like, quite, it's all teams of... put it, like stick it up to them. They get to three quarter time, and Richmond just blow remember them away. that year Port were going crazy in the fourth quarter. It's kind of reminiscent of that. They just dominate teams in the last quarter and it's a credit to both belief and fitness. They're, they're unbelievable. And, and crowd. Like I think the yeah. crowd has to be a factor in that because they get that momentum late in the game and they have that belief and the crowd just it's carries like, It's like a self-fulfilling prophecy. The crowd's yeah. like, it's coming. I can feel yeah, it coming and exactly. they sort of spur the on. And like, it's not just the crowd but it's such, it's a, definitely a, it's such a bonus. Uh, I think, to be honest, though, there's a little bit of a mirage with Collingwood's performance. They could mm. not miss. And I know they got injuries during the game, but people are acting like they're the main challenger to Richmond, but they're not the team that's performed best against them. Even in Melbourne, there have been three or four performances that have been better than that in Melbourne, and not from particularly great sides. And I don't think Richmond's even played its best footy against Collingwood. I think there's a slight overrating about how good they've performed against Collingwood both times, and I think it's mostly driven by a desire for a Collingwood-Richmond narrative. I think there's a glass-half-full, glass-half-empty way you can look at this game. I think if you're looking at the half-empty approach, 
I think their their best midfielders could not have played any better. Pendlebury, I've heard some criticism of Pendlebury and side bottom. I don't understand that at all. I thought they were absolutely brilliant. Yeah, they were absolutely brilliant, but then stuff they were known for, and they know what sets them I apart. Thought, I they, thought they, they still used it very well for the most. Side bottom was at like twenty nine percent kicking efficiency. You can't be using the ball well and doing that. What was, what was Pendles at? I thought Pendles Pendlebury was had like ten turnovers off by foot or something. Pendlebury, like neither of them were able to break the line. It's not always a function of the kick. Sometimes it's, it's good defense. Sometimes I think it, a lot of it was good defense, but like, I think. That Richmond were able to mitigate the damage those guys did. When those guys get 37 touches and however many yeah, side yeah. Bottom, you expect them to, to be tell, carving tell apart, you up. Yeah. But they didn't, and that's a testament to Richmond's defense. Yeah, but like, I think it's worrying that they had uh, they were had as much of the ball as they did, and pl- I think they played very well. Yeah, and well, Grundy was, was huge. He was, so he was enormous. They so, had uh, Nankovic off for large periods of the game, which so often we look at as one of Richmond's only weaknesses. Didn't affect them. They won the period where yeah. it was off by thirteen <laughs> points. So, that, so that's the worrying way to look at it. Yeah. Is they had a lot of players play well. Is there that much scope for improvement? And they still got beaten mm. comfortably. All right, but I think the glass half full, you have to look at the injuries. Yeah. And I think Jeremy Howe going down is enormous for the way Collingwood would want to play Richmond. I've talked about on the pod before how I think the way that you beat Richmond is you put enough... Good pun. ...that you put enough pressure... On them, and you cause them to kick the ball up, and then their intercept players are the most important players on the yeah. field because they need to intercept and go before Richmond have a chance to set up. How is one of the better intercept players in the comp? And when he goes off in the first quarter, mm. that really hurts. And then obviously Sharonberg, at least that's another rotation. Well, he was at, playing at practically as a fullback, and against uh, against Colin, uh, Richmond, sorry, he's kind of the prototypical fullback in a lot of ways. He is the right size for so many of their more difficult matchups, their mid-sized forwards, and he's nimble enough to go and play proper defence, mm. and they're really getting thin back there. Yeah. At, how, how many players are they going to get back? Um, Dugowie looks questionable now. Yeah, which is shocking. I think that injury came out of nowhere. Trelaw will at some point, and that'll be huge. Mm. Yeah. There's not a lot else, really. I mean, he, obviously how will play. But yeah, he's not a long-term injury. next week. But yeah, Dunn... No, he's, he's done. Yeah, done's Linden. Linden. Um, <laughs> I'm not sure uh, Ben Reed might come back. I've heard Pick, Liam Pickering said Wells might come back, but that guy's just a salesman. Who knows? Yeah, who knows about <laughs> Wells? Like you can never bank on him. That's for sure. Yeah, it's so, it's gonna be tough if they <clears throat> fire a real shot. You do have to watch out for them next year. I'm not entirely sure that the guys have been got injured are better than the guys who got in their side but you have to expect some improvement with the healthy list let's be honest there are no challenges to Richmond that, that's um, the sad I'm stick, truth I'm sticking with GWS and Gold Coast until I <laughs> I think GWS are the best chance until for me, I have to poke my eyes out while watching the grand final and watch them win go ahead James yeah. you've got a hot take <laughs> oh, no, not necessarily a hot take but I, I just wanted to kind of take a step back and look at Richmond's season on the whole as, as, as a as Of course concept. you did. <laughs> so, so Richmond's currently one game ahead with like a 16% differential between second place. And like in recent years, there's been not that differential. So like, for example, Adelaide drew with Geelong in terms of points last year. And you actually have to go back to 2011 before you get something as like differential as that. So in 2011, Collingwood were two games clear with 181 to 153. And they came off a fourteen game. Wow, that good. Yeah, they came. They, they, wow. they came. They came into finals with a fourteen game winning streak and were twenty and one. No, they're twenty one and one. Pretty I don't remember incredible. the name that. Good. So, yeah. so, so who won? I they were twenty and two. Or maybe twenty and two. Because I thought they lost to Geelong three times that year, and they were the only games they lost. Right. So they're twenty and two, but they were they were still like very clear uh, up up to the top. But yes, but, get yeah. But that then, was but so then, good. But then who, who won twenty eleven? Geelong, Geelong won twenty eleven. So, yeah. so then so then you have to go further back. Maybe they weren't as good a chance. 2009, St Kilda, two games clear, 155 to 127. Who won 2009? I feel like that year, though, we kind of knew Geelong were as good. <laughs> yeah, when, like, when, when I think of the round, was it 11 or 9 game between when, the two? When, when they, when they, they both had undefeated. Yeah. You knew these those sides were the matchup and they were nearly on par. Yeah, you at, you at didn't least. feel like yeah. one was like, none of them was a 2016 North Melbourne. <laughs> 
Let's be frank. Okay. Yes, yeah, yeah, you make a good point. So then, yeah. An even more extreme example, 2008, Geelong coming off a 150-point win in a grand final. Finals experience, because Richmond's got finals experience, right? 2008, Geelong, there were four mm. games clear, 161 to 131. You've done it right here, Whitey. <laughs> it's, it's, I, mean, I mean, you're so, basically saying it's not over. Uh, it, it is not over by a long shot. And uh, if, uh, as a Richmond fan, and I encourage all Richmond fans to do this, go forward with extreme cautious optimism. <laughs> yeah, yes, we are the best team. Yes, we have the greatest chance of winning the Premiership. But it is not over. And it will still be a great achievement if Richmond managed to do it. I'm going to sleep well tonight, thanks to you, Whitey. <laughs> Thank and you also, for this news. Also, the, the other point I wanted to add is that if you're one of the chasing teams, if you're, if you're Melbourne, I think Melbourne's the best example of this. It oh. is not over. Oh, it is for Melbourne, but I, I don't think it <laughs> he is. He thinks Melbourne are going to win the flag. He, he's, he's a Melbourne. Optimist. I am not riding off Melbourne's chance of winning a flag. I am, but yeah, you make some good points, Whitey. That was yeah, that's some you, good research. I'm impressed with you. When you beat Adelaide by 91 points, you're still riding off Melbourne's chance to win the flag. <laughs> I will be right to the end, mate. Right uh, to the end. Anyway, we are moving on to everybody's favourite segment, Cane Corns. I think this is the first time I've been the first one to say everybody's you call favourite. It probably, like, it's not just Cane Corns. It's the Cane, cane corns, corns Call of the Week. Yes, we, we're trying to imitate Cane Corns. Yes, yes okay. and new listeners would be very confused. So now you're worried that I didn't properly explain this last week, so your dad is going to be confused when he listens this week. Exactly, is that it? Yeah, exactly right. Uh, we, got up well, we, as always, we start with the uh, the one we found in the media, and this is a pretty fantastic take. Yeah, James this is a sharp one. Uh, back from the uh, back from the brink, Essendon will win the flag if they make the eight. You know what I like about this call? It just like I, I know Heard would be looking at Essendon because he's an Essendon man, but it just stinks of one of those ones where you look at. Who is the furthest back from being a chance to win the flag that you could still mount some <laughs> argument for? And it would be Essendon. Yes. I, if you were an Essendon fan and someone told you they'll play finals, that it's is so a great result. You, result. you would be over the moon with that. To say they're going to win the flag, it's just taking it to the extreme. Yeah, it's, it's ordinary. That, that take... Where did he say this? Was this on a podcast or something? I'm not sure. He's got to the be honest, Croft podcast. Uh, yeah, I saw Croft. an article on AFL.com that had that. that, that it's had been that over quote, Facebook, but yeah. it's just—it's ordinary. They are less than likely to make the eight. I oh. think they have to be near perfect to make the it's eight. Strongly unlikely. They have a pretty tough run home. Yeah, and and their percentage isn't good. No, so they've got to be a yeah. They to make the eight, they've got to be clear on points and it's going to be hard to be clear on points given the draws of the yeah, it's, it's got to, they've got to be perfect yeah I mean and they're not then, out of then, it but then, they're close to then it. they're not as good as any of the top four so teams like there's no. plenty of teams that they'd still consider better than them oh, I just, it's ordinary he's always giving us some joy isn't he he Jimmy? is, yeah. he is. He's never lets us down continually uh, <laughs> giving us an big heads now move on. Let's go with your take. I want to hear what you've got. Apparently, you're sacking somebody. Well, you like making a note at, leaf out of my no- yeah, notebook. That's not you. You criticised me last week. You said I haven't been bold enough. I haven't been negative enough. Which I've been saying you need to be more positive. <laughs> Did I say you haven't been negative? Well, enough? I don't know. I haven't been bold enough. You said you need to sack someone, and I said fine. I'll have a look, and I will see the most sackable person I can find. And I look towards the bottom of the ladder, looking at coaches and. Like, obviously, Fagan's not going to be sacked. I don't think Done Brendan well. Bolton deserves to be sacked. Stewie Jew's obviously a long mm. way from being sacked. Richo, maybe you could make an argument for. You know who I'm going to go? I'm going to go with one out of the box. I reckon John Longmire should be a oh, little bit... I thought you were going to go his old mate, No, Ross. not going, Ross. Oh, I not thought you were going to go against your bias. I would never do oh, that. I would never yeah. do that to the You're great You're looking man. at the bottom of the ladder. Sydney aren't near the bottom of the ladder. They're ninth, buddy. They're no, right that's why. I, that's why I kept working my way up. You know where you did? You named the bottom five sides and then skipped six. No, because <laughs> all, all of the other ones, I thought, oh, you know, they're not going to get sacked, but... Sydney, they're getting a little bit stale. They have had the exact same people in charge. I mean, I know the coaches change, but they have the exact same ideas around. To the be honest, I a hundred percent agree with you. They should sack John Longmire. Then they should sack John Blakey, and Nick Blakey should be like, "I hate Sydney and come to North Melbourne." What are you wrong with you? Have, why has this conversation been taken down a North Melbourne path? We're talking about Sydney. North Melbourne have their fingers in every pie, Scott. You can't get away from North Melbourne. <laughs> My concern with Sydney at the moment... Any trade target? We're Shut there. Shut up. 
My concern with Sydney at the moment is I think they do have a little bit of excitement on their list. I don't think they use Buddy as well as they could. Buddy is the best, most excited yeah. player in the comp, and they don't get the ball down quick enough to him, and they hurt him. Ronk is a really exciting player. Someone like an Ollie Florent is Papley. really exciting on the outside. Papley. I like but Hayward too. They just fit. They're trying to play such a boring way, and I, I feel like it, that's not working in modern footy anymore. No, that, that's you, not the way think, to play. Do you think that's in part because their personnel through the absolute middle of the ground can't sustain that kind of football? Can you see Kennedy or Parker really playing that style of running gun football? No, but they get it out to the runners, but they don't even try to. They just try yeah. to. Sl- they don't really have a winger forward. either. Now that Hanbury's not good, like, they, they don't really have yeah. anyone that can add that outside pace and play high volume. Between the arcs for well, Kenny. Well, Heaney is an exciting player. Florence yeah. is good. You know, he, he could play a wing role. He could. Yeah. I, I think they're hesitant but I, to do But that I feel like we're not, we're not seeing it because of the way that they're playing. And I just... I think they need something fresh in there. And I reckon he should be under a little bit of pressure. I don't mind it. Let's get Nick Blakey to North Melbourne. I, I like the way you're thinking, Scott. Shut up. Uh, What's as, your stupid As you call? said... Uh, I have been pretty negative. I think I sacked people four weeks in a row. Well, you've gone the opposite way. We're, we're, we're doing role changes. Yeah, right? we've, we've had a production meeting, some would say. Uh, <laughs> for the first time ever, I've gone with... It's pretty extravagant, and I'll admit. But, and I'm sure you felt this way watching last week. Wayne Malira will be a superstar. That kid has it. Did you see when he had five, play, five Melbourne players around him... He juked about three different ways before just busting out of a tackle. I did, but you can understand this. As a Melbourne supporter, you look at it and think, how the hell did you stick a tackle? Yeah. You're not thinking about the quality <laughs> play from... Oh, this was a double punch in the guts for me because he was also in Charlie's fantasy. Yeah, he got he, about And he was awesome. He did play a really good game, but to say he'll be a superstar. No, to I, find superstar, how good will he get? Get bold. Be bold. Uh, I think he'll be top eight. No. <laughs> I, I think he'll be a... He'll make an All-Australian team or two. How many games has he played? And how old 20. is he? He's like 20. Yeah, okay. Both, 20 on both fronts. Yeah, would okay. be my guess. All right, so he's got plenty of room for improvement. Yeah. And he, he showed a lot of a lot of signs on Saturday. Yeah, and he's been very up and down, very consistent this season. But I've seen multiple games of him play like that. I don't think he's played that well. But he's played games like that. And to be able to produce multiple versions of that game in a year, I think is an important sign that you're developing into an excellent player. You see, most kids, before they really break out, show two or three or four games where they're really... That's what they're going to be. And he's showing that, and I, I think he's going to get there. It is an extrava- extravagant, extravagant call, <laughs> but I, look, I don't mind it that much, because it it's a little bit... It's one of those things which not a lot of people would be looking at, and it's a little bit off the track, and perhaps you could to be, be honest, honest with that. how well he's he played on the weekend, I'm surprised like four people didn't jump on this. Maybe yeah. they did in Adelaide. No, they're, they're waiting for it. One game, someone will mention it, and then all of a sudden he'll be the best yeah, player in the country. He'll have the nifty jet of Renaissance. And then you'll be able to pat yourself on the back, Banjo. Be well done for being positive. I'm regardless. proud of you. I'm very proud. <laughs> Let's get to more football. I thought this could have been a gold jacket contender, so we'll uh, attack it with vigour and move quickly through it. Geelong defeated <laughs> Brisbane by 42 points. Uh, it wasn't too far off, but. You know, it wasn't the worst game of footy you'll ever see. And Geelong, Brisbane were in it for a long period of time. I suppose you could yeah, make the same argument half. about St Kilda, but you actually believed it in Brisbane <laughs> because they have been good recently. That's so dismissive of St Kilda. Yes. <laughs> is, that, is that wrong? No, but it's just disdainful. But also, Tomahawk, outstanding yeah, individual true, performances. True. He's hunting down your mate, Ben Brown. Are you getting worried? Uh, no, because he's... Not going to kick a goal on Richmond. Another Kane Corns call. He's uh, not going to kick. He'll probably kick one. I'll be very surprised if he kicks seven. Yeah, he'll probably kick three. But anyway, (laughs) Ben Brown. We've got a good run home. We're going to get him there. We're going to play. Kick the ball to Jared Waite, and then Jared Waite will pass the ball to give Ben Brown uh, Joe the Gooses. So many best goals. That's how we're going to win. Career best form for Tomahawk though. Look, to no one. uh, The last person to kick seven goals. Two games in a row was Drew Petrie in 2012. Yep. If you're doing something that hasn't been done for six years, you're in pretty good nick. He, I think so. He's looking more mobile than he ever has. He's moving better. He doesn't look slow. He's beating players on a lead, yeah, which, he, which the normally last, he just tries to grapple. Yeah, exactly. The last few 
years. I've heard rumours that his back hasn't been right. It hasn't. He's been playing through it, but you've heard rumours about the niggles he's going through. But you look at him now. I think he, whether or not he had it, and whatever the extremity was, he must be feeling excellent because he's moving so high up the line. His possession numbers are buddy esque at times. He's getting yeah, twenty he had touches. 22. Yeah, yeah, he's really moving up. He's getting a lot of marks high up the ground and still working back. That shows incredible fitness and incredible in, uh, football intelligence. And I think, yeah, this is career best form for him. It was weird that I was so happy to see him kick another seven. I just had a bit of it. Just makes it a bit less embarrassing, <laughs> which I suppose I shouldn't be embarrassed. Tom Moore kicking seven. It was seven Brisbane that has like the fifth, fifth worst defense in the league. <laughs> That is true, but they've been playing some good footy, and they'll, you'd be extremely nervous for next week, Brisbane, uh, North Melbourne, anyway. Because, I mean, this wasn't a... We've been saying we're waiting for a poor performance from Brisbane. This wasn't a poor performance. They were in the, the second game half for was poor. They, they faded away, and that's what yeah. That's what my hope is. As it, wasn't, it wasn't a bad I, I'm feeling like they're slowly petering out. They're losing a little bit of their uh, fitness base as this long season wears on, and they're not quite going to... Uh, they'll be disappointed in their performance. They'll be fired up to get a win at home. Looking forward oh, that's to the it. other way of looking at it. I prefer mine. <laughs> yeah, I don't have much else to say on this game. Does it make you slightly nervous that Tom Hawkins kicked three against Richmond last time? I just said he'd kick three, so no. Did you? Um, I think he said he'd kick none. Yeah, and he then started I started with that. <laughs> and then I did what I do every time and backflipped. <laughs> okay. Uh, let's move on. This game needs very little said about it. Carlton <sighs> 30, Gold Coast by 35. Um, Cripps is good. Carlton still sucked. Uh, that, that's about it. Favorite resolve of the round. Absolutely favorite. <laughs> well, you didn't resolve like, you didn't round. prefer your own. No, no. Stirring. You victory. saw me. I came. We had a little house party. I went and watched the Melbourne game. And I yeah, came you didn't into show the up house. to your own house party. Well, I did. I came late. I turned <laughs> up and I came straight to you, and you expected. Oh, he's going to be bragging about Melbourne. How about Carlton? That's all I said to you. Are you going to say, I'm sorry, that was a stupid call? They are clearly, clearly a better team than GWS were in their first year with a percentage of 50 winning one game. Look, Gold Coast let me down. <laughs> not going to shy away from that. They really let me they down. They're my do, boys. Mate. They always and do. They would have won if Aaron Hall had to play just quietly. Aaron Hall, my real boy. I don't think they would um, have. They would have been comfortably. Shut up. I'm doing my bit. Um, <laughs> but Khan, to their credit... Have one of the best players in the league. Paddy Cripps stood up, carried them. One-man show, as always. It wasn't a one-man show. He was backed up by Murphy and Simpson and Ed Kerno. They all had ripping games. You know how depressing that is that they're... The second, third, and fourth best players are about to retire. I know, but that's years. that's what leaders do. <laughs> it's all about leadership. And then they leave. But Cripps is number one. <laughs> they were good. They were better than I expected. They showed five for the first time in about two months. Yeah, because they were behind it. Well done. Yeah, they were... Gold Coast kicked the first three. And yeah. that's, it's a fair so effort. It's a bit of character from, from a bunch of kids. I'm not walking away from a statements. They no, still yes, have, you are. They Come still have stupid no statement. hope. There is nowhere they are going. They are three years off being three years off. There is nothing to look forward to. They're not that far from it. They're not that far from it. I think they have enough talented kids there that are, next year they'll probably they'll improve a bit. And then I reckon they'll have a big step up in two Next year, they might get back to the where they were in Bolton's first two years. Yeah, and probably. Four games. And then I reckon they'll pick up from there. No, no I, think I reckon this rebuild they, will They've got a work. whole heap of shedding to do still. And credit to them, though. They've raided GWS. They've gone and taken nearly every available GWS player off their hands. And they still missed out on Paul Ahern, so... Credit to them. Anyway, let's move on. We've got the top five. We're going best kicks in the competition this week. Highly subjective. Yeah, and well, as usual, I'll be more right than you are. Well, we've intentionally kept it open. We're, everyone's like, oh, what do you mean? Field kicks or gold kicking? <laughs> By everyone, more you mean your housemate, Liam. <laughs> and Whitey. My, my two housemates. <laughs> I think it's more interesting if we keep it broad. And we, we can get in a bit of discussion because just, what, what is more important? I, I, I can't wait for the conversation you guys are about to have where you argue completely different points and both think you're right. Yeah, but you wouldn't expect anything else. Anyway, <laughs> let's kick it off. Who's your number five? Well, I'm starting with an honourable mention. I, I was desperate, desperate to get this guy in there, but I just, just, I just couldn't. He is a brilliant kick of the footy, Jack Watts. He is an outstanding kick. He's one of the best kicks for goal in the comp and around the ground. He doesn't make a mistake. He's damaging. He's a beautiful kick. I should clarify. 
When I said best kicks, I meant best kicks in the AFL, not the Sandful. He's playing AFL. He played last week and the week before, and maybe and the week before. I don't think so. <laughs> he only played a couple of games in the Sandful, but we're only talking... He, look, he's, he's a little bit soft at times. He's a bit inconsistent, but his kicking has never been questioned. He is a beautiful I kicker. I do have a footy. quick question for you. Do you still think he's going to be All-Australian? Because you went with the greatest Kane Corns take of all. Oh, it's not as bad a call as Carlton or the worst it's team ever. It's a significantly worse Look, call. I was wrong. He's probably number? not going to be All-Australian. <laughs> well, you, you think just squad a 40 instead? Uh, or <laughs> <laughs> he's not. He's going to be a little bit off it. But my number five, uh, I've gone with one of your boys. And I'm, oh, no, he is in your list. I've gone with Shannon Hearn at number five. I... I He's a brilliant long kick of the footy. He's not oh, a bad short I kick. I disagree. I think he's an excellent short kick. He's This year he's shown so much penetration on those 30-metre passes that open the game up for the Eagles. I think he is an unbelievable kick of the football. And to be fair, you've rated him as such at yeah, five. I mean, I yeah, just... I'm about to say, why did I start with speaking negatively? I mean, <laughs> I should speak positively. He is an outstanding kick. He's he a very damaging unbelievable kick. kick. Get him within 60 metres of goal, you're a chance to kick a goal. And off half-back, he sets up a lot of play. The Eagles switch the ball with so much purpose, and they attack through the corridor with so much purpose, yep. and that is largely yep. because of Hearns kicking off half-back. Yep. Jed has been really good as well, and added a bit yep. more flavour yep. and a bit more uh, flexibility to that, but it's still Hearn being the main man down yep. there. Uh, my five, I've gone Jack Rewell. Whoa! Yeah, out now of the box. that is out of the box. Just watch him Try across Try to justify it. <laughs> watch him across half-forward. His kicks inside 50 are elite. His ability to... Jack Watts... Uh, Jack Watts. <laughs> Jack Rewell swinging onto his left, hitting people in the corridor is... Possibly my favourite piece of play to watch in the AFL. He does it so regularly, and he's just elite at it. And he does he, his his ability to work the ball inside fifty is unbelievable. I, like I, I don't have anything particular to disagree with you. Like he's he's a good kick, but I just I just don't feel he, he's not quite in that top echelon. He doesn't have something like he, he's a, he's a good user, but he, he doesn't have something special about. I his think kicking. his kicking is as much the factor that unlocks Richmond's forward line as is his ability to bring the ball to ground. He is just an unbelievable kick. Well, speaking of special kicking, I'm going to go on to my number four. And this could be a little bit controversial, but if we're saying you're bringing something special to kicking, I've got Matt Suckling at number four. He can, Ooh, hit, yeah. he can hit kicks that no other player I've ever seen can do. I love watching <laughs> him play. And he never, ever goes for an easy kick. Every time the ball is in his hand, he tries to do something amazing. And sometimes it won't come off. <laughs> the wonderful thing about Matt Suckling is it's always a kick you'd never see anybody else do. Either it's absolutely perfect. Perfect, pulling off the toughest yeah. option, or he shanks the absolute living daylight out of the ball to the point where you don't see anybody else do yeah, it. Yeah, but but he misses because he tries, and yeah. I just I just love watching him play. And yeah, he pulls out kicks that no other player I've ever seen can do. So he, he's at my number four. That, that's fair. It's a very common inclusion on this like this. I I, I really res- I respect him as a kicker. Yeah, uh, he's just uh, the shanking left him off for me. I've gone still side bottom. Yeah, uh, I don't mind that. Big fan of dual-sided players, as you might. Tell. Yeah, okay, uh, okay, yeah. And he, you just, can't really tell what side he kicks yeah, on. Yeah, I think he's, he's right appropriately footer, named. <laughs> I think so, but not entirely sure. Side steel bottom. <laughs> he didn't actually kick the ball that well on the weekend, as I said before. But generally, he's a very good no. Kick I don't mind. That. Really I don't mind user. that. He's a, he's a very efficient kick of the footy. He, he, he never wastes. It. Yeah. He just never wastes a kick. Speaking of players who never waste a disposal, and you probably won't be happy about this one. I've got Pendlebury as number three, keeping the calling with flavour going. I've he makes a mistake. So little. And I don't think he's the sort of player that doesn't make a mistake because he takes conservative kicks. I don't think he does that. Oh, that's how, that was my initial thought. You see him take these short kicks so often. He doesn't attempt the really damaging kicks. And he's, he's, it's all about... When I look at Pendlebury play, it's all about poison decision-making for him. I don't actually tend to see him hit the tough kick. But, but, he, but his kicks aren't just... Switching and just kicking it sideways, he, he gets it. No, in tra- he gets it in traffic, and he finds options which no other player can see, and gets it to them. Yeah. I just think he's the most reliable kick, and he, he just never makes a mistake. I wouldn't call his kicking his biggest asset, and what makes him great. And I think his kicking uh, is lifted kicking so much by his poise, but I don't think it's his actual kicking. I think that's great. a factor in what makes you a good kick, though. Decision making. I think I think it's more of an inhibitor. 
than a factor making you a great Man, kick. He's a marginally better kick Anyway, what I've that. got is my boy, who in about two years... Probably rated, got him at three. Yeah, in two years when he's playing for North, he'll be rated a little bit higher. But, you know, while he's there, he's got a little bit of tax on him. It's Josh Kelly. He's just an unbelievable kick. He hits every kick. He hits the long, hard kicks. His delivery inside Fort 50 is nuts. It's just insane how the kicks he pulls off. And he's, it's his ability to move the ball directly just... Splits games open. Yeah, look, I can't argue with you that he's not in mind because I don't like you very much. (laughs) That's the reason you left him off. No. You are a because he's not that good a kick. Cold, Um, (laughs) bitter bastard. I don't know why anybody would... I thought we'd have enough frothing over Josh Kelly. I didn't need me to do it as well. Uh, My number two... Go on for more then. My number two is someone else who you're going to be frothing over pretty soon, so we'll get through it quickly. I've got Lockie Whitfield at number oh, two. What? How good is he as a footballer? He's an unbelievable kick of the footy. He's damaging, and he rarely makes a mistake. They're, 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 that's the stuff which really sets someone apart. The fact that they don't take easy kicks, and you still very rarely see a turnover. And that's the special. ability to execute it on his left under pressure. It's, it's what yeah, side yeah, bottoms yeah, does, yeah. but he just hits... Harder kicks than him. He's, yeah, yeah. He is unbelievable. He I've got him at number. I've done him. Yeah. At, got him at number one. He's started taking the game on just routinely, and still he's kept his efficiency up with by foot. Oh, he's he's really developed into an unbelievable footballer this year. For the first few years of his career, I didn't really see how why he went number one, and I thought it was I really didn't trust his body, and I thought he'd just be pushed around. But his his attributes are just showing out. This year, he's fantastic. Yeah, we always rated his running power, but we're yeah. starting to see his kicking. Like, so that's your number one. What's your what's your two? The two is Hearn, who we've okay. been through, and he's an excellent kicker. Okay. Well. Who have you got number one? Mm, I knew you were, you'd be interested in this one, and you, you you mentioned him. I've got Buddy Franklin as number one. Oh, I think as an all round user of the ball, I don't think you can get better. I think he's an outstanding kick for goal, and his use through the middle of the ground, you get it in Buddy's hands and you are more likely to kick a goal than if it's in anyone else's hands. I really rate this pick. I Yeah, no, this is a brilliant pick. I, I had him on my list of thereabouts. And to be honest, I probably Thanks, got spoken. Badger. You talked him down when we were... Uh, no, I just didn't say yeah, anything. Yeah, I just you, wanted to keep it close. Yeah, I, thought yeah, you, you, I thought you wouldn't be happy with it. You, killed, you, with you it. kept your cards. No, he's an unbelievable kick. He, in very much the same way, rewalt for me. He's able to open the game up in yeah. the half forward frame, and then his long kicking for goal is insane. And he's he's improved too. He's yeah. got better every well, year with well, his kicking. I just I just love watching that. Early play. on, he wasn't a good kick, especially for goal. He was an inconsistent kick. He'd either hit him perfectly yeah. or he'd shank him. A bit of a, a Joe Danaher or a yeah. Eric Kipwood, yeah. But he's yeah he's made it more consistent now, and he's he's an unbelievable kick for kick for goal and in midfield. Yeah, no, I rate the pick. But anyway, let's move on to the bit. I think we've both been looking forward to most. The only two games left through our game, so we'll start with yours. Melbourne defeated Adelaide by 13 points. Um, do you just want to gloat for five minutes, or how do you want to do this? Oh, look, a little bit, a little bit. I'm not <laughs> I'm not getting carried away, Banjo. I never get carried away. But uh, look, the best thing about the performance was how poor a start we had and the fact we were able to turn it around. Adelaide were brilliant in the first mm. the, the first quarter, really. Their pressure was outstanding. We, we panicked a lot. We were, under, we were under the pump, and you thought... Okay, this this isn't our game, and to be able to turn that around and then blow them away in the third quarter was the sign of a very good team. The thing which I didn't like, I didn't like our last quarter, and I don't like the Goodwins being patted on the back about it. No, that it actually genuinely worries me that clearly the previous week with two minutes to go we made a lot of mistakes, and they trained it all week, and they got into a last quarter when they're up by five goals with all the momentum dominating a team, and they decided. Oh, let's do what we've been training all week to do with two minutes to go and just put numbers back and try to slow the game down and don't try to score. And we were very, very lucky to win this game. Yeah, how close were you to losing with Eddie Betts picking up that ball rang directly at goal? Lynch missed one from the yeah. goal square as well. We were extremely lucky playing that way. And I, and I hate the fact that everyone's going, oh, so the players learnt and they moved on and this is how you're going to play the last quarter. If we get playing how we did in the third quarter, we might have won by 10 goals. We were killing them. I think it really demonstrates the impact luck had on both these games. You were... You did plenty right and you did plenty wrong in both of them. And certain bounces of the ball just change everything. Yeah. You probably should have come out of this one and one So it's not the end of the world for you. But yeah. yeah, but I mean, both games you watch... If you watch the four quarters, you would say Melbourne are the better team in both games. Yeah, but you did enough wrong this one, to like, lose one. 
I, like, I find it genuinely concerning that the next time we're five goals up at three-quarter time, they're going to be like, we've been training this, boys. We did it against Adelaide. Let's just stop playing and just try to get get to the finish line. And but a better team will will beat you in, those, in that situation. Alternatively, it could be we've done this. We know how to win this now. And you take more confidence and keep playing more naturally. Well, I mean... I, that's, the, that's the optimistic view of that. Well, when it got to five minutes left, I started thinking, okay, what you've been doing for the last 25 minutes is what you should be doing now. Like, We're here, 25 th- minutes. Th- there's extra, a balance a bit there. Long. But how good's Clayton Oliver? Just just quickly. Just say how good is he? Just, no, okay. you, you know it. <laughs> no, I 100%. I want to hear it from you. I, I, this is his... There was someone else. I really there's a few Melbourne players I do actually like. I was trying to rank him, but he's right up there. I I love that man. I tried to be very dubious about him and uh, make snide comments when he first debuted about him being my boy just to annoy you, but he's not because he's just too good for that. He is an unbelievable football. Do you have him bias aside, Crips or Oliver? Crips. Oh, interesting. Marginally. Very, very marginally. I think I've got Oliver. I, I think Cripps lifts a team on his shoulder more than Oliver does. But Oliver's last two he weeks... He has lifted them to two wins. <laughs> Oliver's last two weeks have been two of his best games that I've seen him play. He's getting the clearances. Yeah. He's so damaging. He's, he's so clean, but he's so damaging. And he's using his kick more. And he's he's getting he's getting better, which is frightening. Because he's twenty. he turned 21 a week ago. Like they're, they're, He could improve, but you think... Like can he? Like he's yeah. that good already. Like yeah, he's he, the sky is the limit for him. He is in. He's the best draft pick you've probably ever had. He's get him at four. When it was a pretty, amb- I remember being worried. It was a little ambitious. Yeah. It was a reasonably ambitious pick to take him at four. Like he is an unbelievable footballer. Yep. Fair Adelaide, we pretty much write them off though, right? Oh yeah, it's I think to yeah, make they're it. out of got to be perfect. They had they had to win this one, I think. And they weren't too far off. I give them a chance. They've got the showdown this yeah. week. I reckon they're every chance to win that. And they're not a bad team. But, yeah, they're, they're too far back now. Yeah, I'll write them off. If they hadn't have had the injuries, they would have been fine this year. But they've just been absolutely shot down with that. And I hope by round 22, they're absolutely shot and don't want to play football anymore. Anyway, let's get on to my favourite part of the yeah, weekend. Yeah, okay, it's your turn. A game I did not expect North to win. We won by 40 points over West Coast. As much as I want to just be very arrogant about this, the main takeaway for me is that West Coast didn't really show up. I was I was in a bit of shock how poor West Coast were, and it wasn't just their sort of lack of energy, but it was they just at no point really looked like they had any sort yeah, of weapons. What part of the game do you think they did well? Their key defenders intercepted well early. Yeah, but they that, defended well in yeah. the first half, I suppose, because they were getting flogged and were still in the mm. game. But when when you turn the game, and it was like halfway through the third quarter, and you're up by like three goals, and you you, you try to think, oh, West Coast are a good team, they can come yeah. back. I just couldn't imagine a way that they could score. They, they didn't just, give a they, yelp at all. They, they just weren't moving the ball forward fluidly at all. It was, And it, that's so un-West Coast. They just... It was just a real slog. I, yeah. I, I wonder if they looked at it as, this is a game in Tassie, it's probably going to be cold and windy, it's just going to be a slog of a game. And they just went into yeah, that mindset. Yeah, and it wasn't windy, it was no. cold, but it was sunshining. Like it, it, they could it have been silky bad. like they are. It wasn't like, bad conditions at all. You're absolutely right. I think, defensively, I, I'm shocked that I'm saying this, they could not move the ball because Majak was just, Imperious. He was very he good. He was unbelievably good. He is, like, I had my, I had massive doubts over him. And I've already apologised to Mark Fine, who, again, called him a champion footballer, which is a bit over the top. But he is going to be very good. And I, I didn't put this in as McCain Corns because it was too north centric. Uh, where's he going? Majak Dor, all Australians, got a 40 next year. Next year. Next year. That's my prediction. Unfortunately, it's conceivable. It's quite conceivable. He's it, developing so quickly now. And, like, he's 27. He probably should have developed four years ago. But and, it's so exciting. And he's playing in the sort of role which people are really noticing and really loving the yeah. intercept. And, yeah. He, Thompson and Terry are yeah. taking the more conservative roles and allowing him just to control the air. He's playing that McGovern role. And they're the defenders that get noticed these days. Majak's good, but the, the main thing I noticed watching North Melbourne in this game was when Higgins got in the game after half-time, you, I, I think you'll admit this, you don't have a lot of class through your midfield. No, it's, so, it's our biggest weakness. He just stands out so much. And it, you notice that every time there was a transition and it went through Higgins, 
you looked five times more damaging and five times more dangerous. What I never thought I'd say about Hughes, we've always thought he had skills, but his power running is just unbelievable. He will just run That's away from people game, and yeah. run through people. He's not necessarily quicker than them, but as soon as someone tries to make that tackle, he just bursts out of it. And the hesitation you have to do to try and lay a tackle just creates separation that not many other players in the league do the way he does. He's not unique, but he's very close to it in the way he moves through people. I I cannot credit him enough. But but one, to turn it back a little bit, he's, he's not playing. He's not oh. playing next week. Oh, God, I'd be nervous if I were you. Oh, don't, don't remind me. I'm, I'm putting on a confident face for heirs, but <laughs> I do the I'm opposite. <laughs> I prepare myself for failure. I'm, I'm telling myself we won by <coughs> 50 points in Melbourne. We can't have that big turnaround. Uh but Ahern is the other story. Yeah, of course. He's been an unbelievable pickup. He he looks like he will be a... If he keeps going on this rate, he's going to be a legitimate star. Like, he says a bit about the way you've rebuilt your list, or how you've kind of had to. Like, you've tried to get the big fish, they've said no. Yeah. And then you've made some interesting trades. I mean, there's him... That's obviously brilliant. What did you trade for him? Pick 69. For a guy who was pick seven and looks like he's playing like yeah. pick seven at the moment. The other one, Marley Williams, you traded like pick 100 for. 105, yeah. And he's been pretty useful. Yeah. Like, you've managed to get some, some interesting ones because you've kind of had to in a lot of ways. Yeah, and we've had... We had such a bare bones because we did put pretty much everything into that brief run we had. And it didn't get high, that high, I'll admit it. But we did have a very old list. Picking up guys like Farron Ray and stuff like that. Nahas, we, we really yeah. loaded up. And Nahas was actually like quite serviceable for us. He was for, us. for a while, yeah. Um, and so to fill the list with AFL standard players, we had to kind of do that. And what's amazed me is our success rate with them. Our talent identification in the AFL has been outstanding. And like you You've look had at a lot of hits, yeah. And even when you look at the guys we've offered, like when we offered Josh Kelly nine million over nine years or whatever we did, he was a potential star and then that's what he did the next year. Like it the Dustin Martin contract everybody knew was a star. But there were guys we've offered that have grown into I'm sure there's some who haven't as well with the amount of people you've tried to get. But oh, I don't for the first time, uh, a player manager came out and said North Melbourne haven't talked to my client with Darcy Moore. <laughs> Why don't you want Darcy Moore? I don't know. But it's Got just, Major it's down just back. exciting that we don't... Brown we, forward. Yeah, it's just exciting that Moore? somebody we're discerning about. I'm just... I'm, I'm excited. But a hand looks like this. Uh, enough North Melbourne talk. Enough. Yeah, enough. fair enough. We're going... Positive. It as, makes me sick. As always, we're going too long. Uh, we're going to get to final segment Poochie's mailbag can I kick off a Poochie's mailbag oh yeah you can of course you're sending in a question to the mailbag I'm sending in a question okay. so I, I kind of want to frame an argument and then I want you guys to, to resolve the argument so I think like now that we're in like a, a new era now that Richmond are not terrible and Melbourne are at least an adequate side congratulations <laughs> so much <laughs> so I think there are two clear candidates for sad sacks at the AFL and I'd be happy to hear if you guys have got, I've got another one so Carlton since 2002 have not made the top four, have won five wooden spoons, and have won more than 12 games once. That is pretty bad. Gold, that, that's grim. <laughs> Gold Coast, since their foundation in 2011, have had a high ladder placement of 10th, and have had the best player, but then have lost the best player. Well, who do you guys think is the, best, is the, the saddest sack of the AFL? I got Carlton. I, I know you would. <laughs> of course you Pretty would. convincingly. They, they have different plots. Like, Carlton are a very proud club. They have enough fans that they'll hang around yeah. and eventually it'll probably turn around because, you know, they have been a long-lasting, very successful club for a long period of time. Gold Coast is different because they're, like, they've never been good and we don't really know whether they'll ever be good and potentially Gold Coast could fold. Like, that. that's very conceivable. Well, a Gold Coast club has folded once in the Brisbane Bears. <laughs> yeah, true. So, I mean, in that sense, I think if you're looking to the future, I would have more confidence that Carlton will eventually turn it around. I, I think right now, Gold Coast team's better, but I'd have more hope in Carlton turning it yeah, around. Yeah, I see, that's not how I looked at it. I looked at it as... I like who'd Gold be the Coast, toughest. I don't like Carlton. Is that how you looked at it? <laughs> that was the essence of it. No, it's who's the toughest to support. And I think that pride you mentioned with Carlton makes, yeah. it, makes the fall yeah. so much more destructive. With Gold Coast... One, you haven't been around enough to experience real, um, real pain yet. Like, yeah, no one cares enough. Yeah, yeah. Well, like they, they might be have ardent fans or whatever, but 
six years of pain is not the same as 40-odd years you've had since you won a flag. Carlton's had the second biggest crisis in AFL history in 2002 with their salary cap breaches, mm. and their club was more crippled than Essendon's was by it. Like they're, they're, Carlton has gone through the ringer. They've gone from never having won a wooden spoon to winning five in 12 years, uh, 18 years or something. They're, they're, their plight from where they've come from, I think the fall has been so great that that would be the most difficult. Because at least they can hang their hat on, we've won 16 flags. At yeah, least they, they have that. Then, like, if you're Ira, so like Carlton's last premiership was 1995. Pretty much the majority of their players wouldn't remember Carlton winning a premiership. And like people our age wouldn't remember it at all. I mean, like, I, we're very insignificant in the in the context. But like, isn't this? Like, is this why, have to have, why does the history of premierships matter? Because that's they have been a highly, highly successful club, and we're looking but at the, the club. But the sixteen president are. Uh, is an argument for like a seven-year-old kid. That's what you brag about on the playground. But at this stage, in terms of looking at. Your club now, you never really resort to... Oh, you'd be gutted. Like you do because you don't have anything else to hang your hat on with your 10 premierships. I think it's absolutely relevant. I don't think... Whether North Melbourne have seen a flag in your lifetime, your lifetime is very insignificant. And I think Melbourne are a better club because we invented the game and we were highly successful for a very long period of time. Okay, go off your your ski lodge, Scott. And I think Carlton can make the same argument. They'll get back eventually. They will, but right now I think it's the hardest to uh, support Carlton. That argument is especially depressing for GWS fans. Because when you've got like 150 more years of more history. So like, how are they supposed to compete with that? they're They're not a stronger club as Carlton. Like, clearly not. They've just got a good team at the moment. It's... Yeah. Anyway, more questions. <laughs> if your team doesn't win the premiership, who do you want to win? This is from your brother, Lewis. Very. Singer, songwriter, producer. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Uh, no, very, very easy question. Absolutely 100% Port Adelaide. I love the team. I love their coach. I love Jack Watts. Port Adelaide. Maybe Jack Trangover's Yeah, I was about to say, you're leaving somebody Well, he's not yet. playing at the moment, but he's a chance to get in. Uh, as you can probably guess, GWS... Expansion sides are my other thing. God, you're, no one cares! I don't have enough of a hatred for them, whereas everybody else I hate. That's my way of thinking. Like, it's just like, it would be also, sad. Like, got, no, they win a flag and no one could give a but shit. But they've got future North Melbourne captain Josh Kelly on their list. Of course I want them to win a flag. Why don't you want him to win a flag at your club? He will in like two years. Well, he won't go there, but... Nah, absolutely Port Adelaide. Love, love Port Adelaide. <laughs> That's fine, but it was how we each feel, Scott. Well, we know it would be for you. Uh, yeah, true, but they're no good. They're probably not going to uh, <laughs> This is a fairly pertinent uh, question, given my ladder predictor has us playing off in the 6th versus 7th final. Will Ugh. the club plebs commit to watching a Melbourne North final together if it happens this season? I didn't know it was possible to have a stronger no as I, <laughs> I have to this question. I, I, in fact, I probably won't see you for six months after the game either. Like, I, I, I don't think I could handle this. What if you're sure if you win? Yeah, well, yeah, obviously. But like, I, you'd hate me and I'd feel... Yeah, that's like, true. That's very true. I, 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 I'm kind of torn on it because if Melbourne play North, that's the biggest chance I give us to win the game as any, <laughs> over any other team. But Surely you might I couldn't, my heart could not handle by it. Hawthorne, never mind. You wouldn't want to watch it with me, would you? Sure. <sighs> like no. the, the masochist in me would because of the small glimmer of hope. And like, I'd put my walls up. I'd guard myself against the possibility of loss. I'd say oh this whole season's God. gravy. I couldn't think of anything worse. Like, but, like, oh. but if we won, Jesus, how much shit I'd give you. <sighs> Again, possibly, I wouldn't see you for six months, mate. It'd possibly be the greatest. You'd lose a life. friend. <laughs> and I think, I think even if, if or when I have a child... I still think us beating you in a final with AC next year would surpass it. In an elimination final, yeah. Yeah, not even a grand final. Yeah. Not an elimination, the least significant final. Hey, Courtney. <laughs> she doesn't listen, I'm safe. Uh, question from uh, sometimes contributor Stringer. Sometimes contributor. His role gets lesser and less every week. <laughs> How yeah. else would you describe I think this is the first time I've described him is accurately. Is he the media manager? Is it the current media Well, if you ever bothered to, to post anything, it might be. <laughs> I think you're closer given your post to the damn questions. Uh, anyway, <laughs> what's the question? Okay, he wants a discussion on Rory Lobb's three-quarter sleeves. Is he getting jerseys custom-made? Is he cutting the sleeves himself? Or are his arms dis- just disproportionately long compared to his torso? What is the answer? How, how is he getting three-quarter sleeves? 
I think I just assumed it was custom made, but I, I can't say I know or care. That I like much. the arms theory. <laughs> he does have very long arms, and I like the idea that GWS. It shouldn't be that long. I like the idea that GWS can't afford a tailored jersey. That that amuses me. That it's thought. definitely either cut or custom made. I would it? suggest it's custom made, but Jake Carlisle does the same thing. He's got the three quarters. Yeah, he does. There's a few of them. It doesn't suit Lob at all. He's too lanky. Oh, just, yeah, exactly. To be fair, he's a weird looking human. Regardless, I'm yeah. not sure a football jersey's going to cover that up. True, but yeah, Carlisle does look good in them though. I, I rate the. Look he looks from better Carlisle. than Lob. Yeah. Uh, Follow up question from uh, Poochie: Is the three uh, quarter sleeves? Look, the worst looking football. It depends who rocks it. Like Robbie Gray has a half sleeve. Oh. I, I think it's not three. He looks quarters. sexy a, no matter what. He, he looks plays. unbelievable in it. Uh, so it depends. That if, man could. If you're good man enough, could play in his birthday suit, and I'd be like, I'm down. Everyone would be. But if you're good enough and you're good enough to watch, it can look fantastic. But if you're lob, it's a bit. Like he's, yeah. he's even when he does he's not the, sexy he, he does things that are amazing on the football field occasionally, but they don't look good when he does them. No, I don't know. He's not a sexy footballer. No. If you're a sexy footballer, the heart, the three quarter sleeve looks great. If you're not, it looks awful. Yeah. Final question, at least from me, uh, is Fothers going to, as a sign of solidarity with the Melbourne players, go on an alcohol ban till finals? No. Who's this from? This is from Poochie. Your players have bravely stepped where... It's not plenty of men doing it all. They Every have, team They have it. bravely stepped where many Methodists have before. And uh, they've decided not to drink for the most important part of the season. I applaud them for their, uh, for their, for their steps. I just hope it doesn't work. In, in, a, in a year 11 and 12, schoolboy rowing, we all didn't drink. Like... That AFL players shouldn't be drinking anyway. The so they're doing what they should be doing. I mean, good on them. I suppose they're bucking the trend. But I think it's ridiculous that players drink during the season anyway. Yeah. If they're proper professional athletes, you don't drink. It's not as good as the story Max had when he stopped smoking and got suddenly good. <laughs> but I, I appreciate it. That's an, So, no, I'm not. I'm going to keep drinking. That's, that's my right. Because okay. I'm not a professional sportsman. But, yeah, good on them, I suppose. You should have been doing it from the start. But That's why you're the gentleman's club. Are we just about wrapping up? Or but before we sign off, we've got the we've got oh, the that's new, right. new part new of segment, the pod. Yeah, segment the, number 742. The, the final question, which comes from the Facebook page, battle situations with unexpected handicaps. I think you've heard this one before, but I like it. Aragorn, son of Arathorn, brackets, king of Gondor, but he just found out his best mate of 16 years is actually a lamp, versus Jon Snow, king of the north, but he is on hold with Telstra and doesn't want to lose his place in the queue. Ooh. Oh, it's obvious, isn't it? Oh, it depends. Do you reckon Aragorn's reaction is one of anger or just depression? Well, to be honest, because with if you, he's using, he's on the phone with Telstra. He could be using a cord, a corded phone, and that's a good strangler. Mate, mate, mate no, mate. Like, he, I'm sure it would be shocking to hear that your best mate is a lamp. I'm sure that's shocking news. But once you get into a fight, you'll be able to put that out of your mind and Couldn't try you to save your life. Just put Telstra on speakerphone, though. But that's that, that's going to bother you regardless. If you're on the yeah, phone, yeah, that bothers Telstra, him as well. I suppose you could be on speakerphone. And you're that. used to that hold music by now. You've been on the phone with Telstra for at least forty-five minutes by this stage, and that that tel that telephone music just, is very annoying. I just think you forget. I think it. Aragorn will march into that room, be very put off by that. It will be compounded by the fact that uh, he sees a lamp in the room because uh, Jon Snow's into. Uh, Interior decorating, and I think it's going to bring up bad memories for him. And I think I think John Snow's going to jump in. I just I just think that you would forget about your best mate being a lamp whilst you're in a fight for your life. I think it would it would slip your mind, and then know. and then you'd be hor- once he beat kills John Snow, he'd be horrified afterwards and remember that shocking news. But during but the don't fight, don't you think he's going to? Go, I don't think oh, it would bother. Look, there's a very handsome yet short man. Oh, he could be my new best fan. He could replace my old mate Lampy. I think. Yeah, I think, think that's, I think that's a bit of a reach. Uh, and I, I just think Aragorn would beat Jon Snow in a fight anyway. Aragorn's cooler than Jon Snow. To be honest, I don't really have enough uh, memory of Aragorn's fighting abilities. But at it least was pretty incredible. Yeah, but Jon Snow chopped a horse's legs off. Yeah, and right. That's came, enough on that question. I want to watch end. Master Chef. I want to watch the end of Master <laughs> Chef. Let's finish this podcast. Thanks for listening. As always, we'll see you next week.